Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Good afternoon, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I am your host, Belsis Smalley. And I am your host, Craig Smalley. We're really excited to be with you live on the air. Uh, when we started this show, we decided to challenge ourselves by making the uh, topic of taxes fun and interesting. Uh, so we ask you not to turn the channel. We have a really great show uh, for you today, I think. Yeah, so today we're going to be discussing, you know, starting a small business and the uh, tax ramifications associated with it. So a lot of people wanted to go into business and, you know, they're different, you know, they're LLCs, corporations, sole proprietorships, partnerships. So we're going to talk about, the, you know, the different ins and outs of that. So as Belsitz mentioned, we are live on the air and happy to take calls. The call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight 463 or you can also email us at info at com. Now, we know that a lot of you are probably at work. You don't want everybody to hear your um, confidential, uh, you know, question. So um, email is, we get a lot of emails, so that's probably the best way to, to reach us. So, again, that is info at com. Yeah, and before we move forward, folks, I just want to stress that the advice uh, given on tax avoidance is legal, is general in nature. Craig W. Small, EA, and CWSCAPA, LLP, and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on this radio show. Uh, we always ask that you uh, consult with your tax and or legal advisor. And uh, just so everybody knows, uh, we uh, do have a website. We can be found on the Internet at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And as Craig mentioned, you can email your questions throughout the week to us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And any emails we receive throughout the week, we try to feature on Friday's uh, show. And if by any reason uh, we don't get to your question live on the air, we always make sure to respond to your question. Uh, we uh, The show is sponsored by CWSCAPA, uh, and we are a nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services. You can always reach us at 844-CWSCAPA or 844-297-3272. And our uh, sister company, Tax Crisis Center, uh, the nation's premier tax resolution firm. And you can always reach a uh, tax crisis center at 1-855-IRS-2911. Yeah, so, you know, I had this whole show planned, and I, sh- I planned this show probably about a month ago, so... Um, in the interim, something has happened, and I've got to kind of bring the uh, public's attention to it. So if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter or anything, you know this by now. But uh, for the last uh, probably, what, about three or four weeks ago, Bells, I believe we had a show on uh, tax scams. So uh, the scammers have been listening, right? So what have we told you? The IRS will send you a letter, and if you get a letter, that's what's going to happen. So, guess what the scammers have done? They are now sending letters. So, yeah, they're getting um, smart. They are. So here's here's some things I want you to look out for. First of all, if you get a notice from the IRS, go to a tax professional. That's where we're at right now. Okay, so go to a tax professional because we know those notices back and forth. But what they're sending out is something called a CP2000 notice. So if you look of any IRS notice, if you look at the upper right-hand corner, it'll have a phone number, your social security number, and it'll also have the notice number that they're sending you. And in this particular one, it'll say CP2000. Okay, and what that is, is that's an under-reporter notice. So 
what happens is you file your tax returns and then um, people that send you W-2s, 1099s, mortgage interest statements, things like that will also file returns with the IRS. And what the IRS does is match up those information returns to your tax returns. If there's a discrepancy, they will send you a letter. So um, what ends up happening is they're asking for people to pay um, money back because something isn't matching. Now, there are a couple of things that you can look for. So in the letter, it will tell you to send a, to send a check to made payable to the IRS. Now, this is very important. Years ago, the IRS switched that to where you don't make pay- checks payable to the IRS. You make them payable to the United States Treasury Department. So if you see something that says um, make check payable to IRS, that is a uh, that is a huge red flag. The IRS doesn't tell you to do that. Now, that's one thing to look for. Another thing is this is um, going to a P.O. box in Austin, Texas. Now, this is something the general public won't know, but. CP2000 notices come from Ogden, Utah, okay? So um, if you get a notice, it's a CP2000 notice, have a professional look at it because we'll know real quick if it's a real notice or if it isn't. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I um, shared it on my Facebook page uh, just this morning. I know that you did too, and it's uh, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, I'm really uh, I'm really surprised that they are actually being I'm that smart. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. They're listening to us, so they're listening to us tell people that they're only going to get letters, so they just evolved the scam. So it's actually, you know, if if scammers would spend the amount of intelligence it takes to do a scam and do something else, we would have a cure for cancer by now. Really? Because these are usually pretty smart folks. So that always frustrates me that they're so smart and this is what they're uh, spending their time doing instead. Exactly. Of- I know. So so anyway, just to recap, if you get a notice again at the upper right hand corner of the notice, it'll say a uh, notice number. It'll say CP2000 notice. If you get one of those, see a tax professional immediately because um, a lot of the ones that are going out now are scams. So please, please be on the lookout for those. Absolutely. I'm glad that we brought that up. So back into our show, you know, Bell says, you know, there are a lot of disclaimers that you read at the start of every show. And I have a question for you. Why do you okay. read those? Well, quite. there's a long answer and a short answer. I'll give you the short answer. Basically, our lawyer told us to. <laughs> yeah. And then what's the long answer? Uh, the long answer is basically we want to make sure that, uh, well, the last thing we would want is for someone to listen to the advice. Not everything that we give on the air is an all, you know, one size fits all type of advice. So what may work for one person may not work for another. And the last thing we want is for someone to, um, maybe hear something wrong or think that, that, uh, some advice that we're giving for someone in a particular situation applies to them. They do it. It doesn't work out the way they want. And guess what's going to happen next? We're probably going to get a nice, little package in the mail and someone's going to try to probably sue us exactly so our attorney told us to read that because we live in a litigious society and the last thing i want to do is get sued for some general advice that i'm giving to somebody now understand how our process works we meet with a client we get their tax returns for the last couple of years and we give direct targeted advice specific to that one client so Mm -hmm. i'm not one of the bit you know i don't 
when I first went into practice for myself, I didn't want to be a homogenized accounting firm where you give just general advice to your clients. I wanted to give targeted advice. So um, now let's apply that as that same thing to a small business. Do you really want to put your assets at risk if you go into business? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not. Exactly. So that's why people incorporate. That's why people incorporate. So if you go into business for yourself and you make a mistake, your personal assets could be at risk if you don't incorporate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, that that's basically the main reason why, uh, you know, people do incorporate, like you mentioned. And I'm glad that I, this is actually a topic, I think, um, that's great. It's uh, a lot of folks out there trying to start a small business and they need to know all the different, uh, you know, te- uh, tax ramifications of doing that. So um, isn't that why um, you get insurance, though, Craig? Yeah, you know, but insurance can only do so much. So stop and think about this for a minute. Um, you know, if you if you stop and think about this for a minute, let's say that you cause somebody or, you know, you cause somebody more than, let's say you get a million dollar policy. And again, we live in a really litigious society and, um, you know, somebody sues you and they sue you for more than a million dollars. Well, you're still out the, the portion that your insurance isn't going to pay, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... So, yeah, yeah, insurance can only do so much. What about uh, states? Um, you know, we we have offices in uh, Florida, Delaware, and Nevada, and uh, the reason for that is we tend to form a lot of corporations in uh, states like Nevada and Delaware for different reasons. So why don't you share with folks a little bit about uh, the differences in the states and, you know, maybe uh, a question we get all the time is, what sh- you know, what state should I incorporate in? So what would you say to someone who asks you what state should um, should I incorporate in? Well, before we jump into that, let's talk about the different things that we have going on here. So we have we have corporations, we have limited liability companies, we have limited partnerships, um, we have limited liability partnerships, we have general partnerships. There are so many different uh, types of entities that we have. So the difference between all of these are basically that um, corporations are kind of like the older um way to do things. So back in, you know, I come from a family of accountants. So back when my father was uh, starting his practice, the only way that you could separate your personal and business um, assets would be to form a regular corporation. And um, the problem is that um, today there's so many different uh, better ways to do it. But Corporations will work for for some things. The problem with the corporation is it's very clunky and you have to operate a corporation like any other corporation would operate. So with corporations, you have to have annual meetings, you have to issue shares of stock and you have to have bylaws and, um, you know, you have to operate your corporation like a corporation. And then about 20 years ago, um, it hasn't been 20 years. Was it 16? Yeah, no, no, no. It's been about 20 years now that limited liability companies came out. And I want to tell you, in the beginning, accountants, accountants hated limited liability companies, right? So, um, and the reason was, you know, for the taxation of them. But today, limited liability companies are just like corporations. They separate your personal assets from your um, business assets. And what that means is if anybody ever sues the LLC or the corporation, they're only suing for the assets of that corporation or 
the limited liability company. They can't sue you for your personal assets. But with a limited liability company, what we have is a lot of flexibility. So with LLCs, there's a lot of flexibility, whereas the corporation is very structured. You have to follow certain rules. In an LLC, you don't have to have yearly minutes. You don't have to. Um, there's a lot of different things that you don't have to do. And then um, 20 years ago, the LLC came out. You know, about, you know, five years after that, the IRS, because the IRS didn't know um, how to classify these. So the IRS then made them very flexible and they could be taxed any way you want to be taxed. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, then you have limited partnerships and that's another step. And um, those are usually used for holding assets and limited liability partnerships. Those are usually for licensed professionals. So um, there's a whole host of things out there. But. Um, and then to, you know, answer your question about different states, um, yeah, there's, there's different states you can incorporate in and typically, uh, people will incorporate in the state that they're located in. But I do want you to know that there are different, um, states out there that where you have, uh, where you enjoy certain things that you won't enjoy enjoying in your home state. Like, for instance, people incorporate for Nevada, you know, everybody's probably heard, you know, the Nevada Corporation and, you know, incorporated in Nevada. But the reason why people incorporate in Nevada is for privacy. So, um, you know, if you don't want somebody to know that you're associated with a business or you own a business, you would incorporate in Nevada because you mm -hmm. don't have to give that information up. That's the main reason. Also, Nevada doesn't have any state income tax. And then, the other uh, sexier or sexier place to incorporate is <laughs> Delaware, right? So Delaware, um, the reason why you would incorporate in Delaware is because um, that's usually, usually if you're going to be a bigger company, that's, um, you know, if you incorporate in Delaware, they don't have jury trials. A judge decides things. So usually a jury will fine against the evil corporation. So, um, that's why people incorporate in um, Delaware, but that and that's the main reason why we have offices in Nevada and Delaware, so we can form those corporations. Because again, every person is just a little bit different. So um, that's that's you know really you know the different states and and you know and that's really general on the on the reasons why you should incorporate in different states. Yeah, I know I probably opened up a can of worms with that question, but I know it is something that we get all the time. We get asked all the time, uh, exactly. you know, what state should I incorporate in? And, um, and you mentioned there are different tax ramifications depending on the state, but I know we're getting up close to, uh, time yeah, for a break. Yeah, 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 cause that's gonna get a little complicated. So why don't we go to a break real first? Go to a break first and then I'll explain it when we get back. That sounds wonderful. So if, uh, you don't mind folks, we want to remind you guys that we are live on the air. You can call us at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748 uh, or email your questions to info at taxavoidanceslegal.com. And on the other side of the break, Craig will discuss the tax ramifications of uh, incorporating. At Tax Crisis Center, LLC, we solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center LLC is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call 
at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com or visit us on the web at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsa Smalley. Hey, welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today uh, we've been discussing um, starting a small business and the tax ramifications. Um, I want to remind everyone that we are live on the air, and our call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. You can also visit us on the web at taxavoidanceislegal.com or email us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And we realize a lot of folks are at work right now. You may not want everyone in the office to hear you asking a confidential question, so email is always a great way for you to send in your questions without anyone uh, overhearing what you are uh, basically have have questions about. And we get a lot of those. And we've been uh, receiving a few of these emails. Craig, do you want to tackle some of them or do you want to yeah, jump let's, in? Yeah, go ahead. Give me a, yeah. It's a okay. yeah. Yeah, because we get so many of them. Let's just answer them. Okay, wonderful. All right. We have a uh, question here from Gail in St. Paul who says uh, she's opening a home health care facility and wants to know the licensing requirements. Oh, I, I have no idea, Gail. Um, you would have to check. You would have to check uh, St. Paul. Um, I presume that's Minnesota. You would have to check uh, Minnesota because every state is different and every state dictates the licenses that you would have to have to open a business. But with home health care facility, I would presume there would be a license. I'm just not sure what it is. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, Gail, sometimes we don't always have the answer to every single question. Yeah, sorry about that, Gail. Um, so Craig, before we went on break, we, uh, were talking a little bit about, um, you know, all the different states you can incorporate in and the different benefits. Um, and then I, we talked about how there are different tax ramifications uh, of incorporating. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about that? Let's talk about the tax ramifications of incorporating. What happens, um, in regards to income taxes? Very good question, and uh, you could probably answer this question because you've heard me say this so many times, but, um, you know, let's go to corporations, so we're going to stick with corporations. If you form a corporation, now, I want to um, I want to impress upon you, a corporation is a corporation is a corporation, meaning that it falls under the uh, the laws of the state that it's inc- that you incorporate in. So, um, what I'm talking about are tax elections. That's it. So, just because you've made a tax election one way or another doesn't change the fact that you're an LLC or a corporation or whatever it is you are. So, I'm just talking about tax elections. Okay. So, I always want to get that straight. So. 
With a corporation, you have C corporations. The only thing you can do is you can, um, if you do nothing, you just, uh, you'll be a, you'll be a C corporation or you can be an S corporation, but you have to make an election. So C corporations, they pay tax at the federal level. And then if you take money out of that company, you pay tax again on your personal tax return. The downside to a C corporation is double taxation. And it sounds stupid. Why would anybody ever want to do that? Well, you know, there are a lot of reasons to be C corporations, but that can be another whole show in itself. So I'm not going to bore everybody with the details of that. Then the next thing you can do is you can elect to be um, taxed under subchapter S of the Internal Revenue Code um, as an S corporation. S corporations don't pay tax. The profits and losses flow to the shareholder to be claimed on the shareholder's personal tax return. The benefit to that is you only pay tax on that money one time. The other benefit to that is if you don't form a corporation, you would be a sole proprietorship. And on whatever your net profit is, you would have to pay an additional tax on top of income tax um, called self-employment tax, which is 15.3%. In an S corporation, when the money flows over to you, you avoid the self-employment tax. You don't pay it. So um, that's one of the benefits to electing me taxes in S corporation. Now, if you are a limited liability company, you could be taxed any way that you want to be taxed. If you're a if you're a one person LLC, you can be taxed as a sole proprietorship, an S corporation or a C corporation. If you're a multi member LLC, that means more than one person, obviously. Um, you could be taxed as a partnership, a C corporation or an S corporation. Now a partnership is a flow through entity, just like an S corporation, except for when the money flows over to you, you do pay the self-employment tax on top of the income tax. So that's, um, you know, that's basically why I wanted to take a break first because it does get a little complicated. Yeah, it does. Uh, so basically from, you know, I think for most people who are listening, it sounds uh, like most people should probably be taxed as an S corporation. You can never make that presumption ever. So um, I want to let you know something. I'm going to tell you a funny story about this. Mm-hmm. When I first went into practice, um, you know, 23 years ago, and we're coming up on 23 years, believe it or not, Bells. Um, when I went into practice 23 years ago, I was I had so much tunnel vision. I would always recommend an S corporation, but you've got to take somebody's personal tax situation into account. So um, if you, you know, stop and think about this for a minute, if somebody um, has a high level of income, right, if they're in the highest uh, personal tax bracket of 39.6 or even, um, you know, with, with everything else, they would be paying effectively 38% in taxes, an S corporation would, would be the worst thing that you can recommend to them because Remember, when the money flows over to them, they'd be paying it at 39.6%. If you would tell them just to be a C corporation, the highest uh, corporate uh, tax rate is 35%. So they would save money being a C corporation. So an S corporation isn't always the answer. It's usually the most common answer, but it's not always um, it's not always the answer. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, is there some kind of takeaway that you can give our listeners that are thinking about uh, being self-employed? Get advice. Get get some professional advice um, from somebody. Um, you know, typically uh, um, most people like me will give you a free um, consultation, but 
um, get some advice. You want, um, you know, you, you want somebody to advise you which way to go because, um, you know, a lot of times when I'm setting up a corporation, I always like to think of, about, you know, the way out of it and, um, the tax ramifications now plus five years from now. So, um, get professional advice. But yeah, um, you know, it's something you don't really want to go into alone. Absolutely. And it's, uh, like you said, a lot of folks, uh, hopefully, we're not the only ones that do this, but a lot of folks will give you a free consultation. You should definitely seek out the advice of a professional um, before you start things up. Um, don't make that mistake of just thinking, oh, I can do this no, on my own. because don't. And I tell clients this all the time. I do a much better job of keeping you out of trouble than getting you out of trouble. So once you're in trouble, it's a little hard to get out of. But keeping mm-hmm. you out of trouble is, you know, um, I'm a lot more proactive than, you know, and, and I would much rather be proactive. Yeah, definitely best to get things set up correctly from the get-go than to have to go back and exactly. fix things. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. So, you know, obviously there is a downside to incorporating. Uh, what would you say are the downsides? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of downsides. So you've basically, I like to refer to this as when you form a corporation, it's kind of like having a child, you know, you've got a watch it. You've got to operate it correctly. You have to, um, you know, for instance, you can't use your corporation or LLC as your personal piggy bank. Um, you know, you've got to be very, very careful with the things that you're doing in it. Um, also, what you're doing is you're sort of, you've got to change the way that you do things now. You can't um, just arbitrarily do things the way that you were doing before you incorporated. So um, that's usually the downside to incorporating because there's a whole list of rules you have to follow. Mm, I see. Yeah, absolutely. You're basically complicating your life. And I've heard you say that to folks before. Yeah, that's basically what you're doing. I mean, anytime that you're doing anything to avoid taxes um, or you're doing thing, anything that has to do with taxes, you are going to complicate your life to some degree. Absolutely. So um, let's focus on S corporations because a lot of businesses, at least initially, um, uh, form them. But um, I know it is complicated. So I think that uh, maybe do you think we should take an early break before we tackle talking about uh, S corporations? Yeah, Bells, because they get complicated. Yeah, we probably should. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, folks. And uh, if you're listening and you have questions, please don't hesitate to give us a call. 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748 or email us to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And uh, when we come back from the break, Craig, we'll go into S-Corporations. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at CWSEAPA.com. Come and see what you've been missing. Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. 
When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about 45000 a year. But with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at 1-877-695-6658. Our website is albernaservices.com or email dalbernas at albernaservices.com. Your success is our business. Now let's get back to Craig and Belsis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we've been talking about starting a small business and the tax ramifications, and we are live on the air. Our call-in number is 1-888-GO-FORWARD or 1-888-463-6748, and you can also email us your questions to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And um, before the uh, break, we were going to start talking about S-corporations, um, and uh, I know it uh, there's a lot that needs to be said about that, so I decided to take a little break, and uh, we could tackle it afterwards. And we're also getting a lot of uh, questions. One of the questions ties into, um, you know, S corporations, Craig. So you mind if I ask this one for me? No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, Melissa in Houston says that she just started an S corporation this year and uh, was searching the internet and saw something about reasonable uh, compensation. Um, what does that mean? Okay, yeah. Um, first of all, be very careful what you're searching on the Internet because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So um, really go talk to somebody about this. But reasonable compensation is very, very, very complicated. And I want to sort of tell you a backstory to it. So um, you heard me before tell you that when you form an S corporation and um, the corporation doesn't pay tax and money flows over to you and when it does – you avoid self-employment tax. Well, self-employment tax is just basically Social Security and Medicare tax. So, um, you know, you don't – if you never, ever pay yourself reasonable compensation, then you never pay Social Security and Medicare tax. So um, the IRS figured this out, and in 1974, they issued Revenue Ruling 74-44, and this is very important, and I have that – Revenue ruling committed to memory. And basically what was happening at that time were, um, people weren't paying themselves salary. So what the IRS said was basically what we're going to do is, um, you know, any money that you take out of these corporations, we're going to consider them, um, compensation. So, um, now since then there have been tax court case after tax court case and other revenue rulings, but that's the main one. So, um, you know, with an S corporation, you have to must 
absolutely positively have to compensate yourself reasonably. Now, what is reasonable compensation? And that's really, like I said, there are many tax court cases about this, but basically what reasonable compensation is, what you would be paid doing the same job anywhere else. So, um, and somebody has to come up with that, uh, for you. So typically that's what we do is we, um, figure out, you know, what your reasonable compensation should be. So, um, you know, in an S corporation, you reasonably have to compensate yourself. What that is really depends. And that's why you really need to see a professional. Mm, yeah, and I'm glad that you're stressing the importance of the reasonable compensation for S-Corporation uh, shareholders because it is a big issue. Uh, can you tell folks uh, what happens if they don't compensate themselves uh, reasonably? What can happen? Uh, very simply. So I uh, I have clients that I see once a year, and I don't like seeing clients once a year because – um, you know, filling out a tax reform, a tax return, obviously I do that and, uh, that's referred to as compliance work, but that's also just a culmination of what we've been planning for the entire year. So I don't really like seeing clients once a year. I like to see them, you know, all throughout the year, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically, um, with reasonable compensation, if you don't compensate yourself reasonably, and to this day, I have clients that don't, What the IRS can do is basically come in and they'll audit you. So one of the main triggers for an S corporation being audited is not um, paying any compensation to um, the officers or not compensating them reasonably. What the IRS can do is come in and say, okay, well, every bit of money that you took out of this corporation, we're going to call it compensation Mm. and you owe us the – the Social Security and Medicare tax, which is 15.3%. And on top of that, you now owe us a trust fund penalty for never claiming it, which is 100%. So um, you would owe 30.6% taxes in what you've taken out. So, you've, yeah, you've got to be really careful about reasonable compensation because that's something the IRS doesn't play around with. No, absolutely. You don't want to have to deal with that. That's That can be a mess and a nightmare for you. Exactly. Uh, so what, what about uh, C-corporations? Is there a reasonable compensation doctrine with those? Yeah, believe it or not, it's the other way around, right? So, and, uh, of course in C- it is. <laughs> in C-corporations, um, they're usually hit because they pay too much in compensation. Why do you think um, the IRS would, wouldn't want them to pay too much in compensation? Hmm. Uh don't know, Craig. Tell us. Because because they would avoid the corporate tax. Because oh well, yeah. Yeah, because they, they got to be get an, that tax money. Exactly, it would be an expense to the corporation. And then remember that, um, and a lot of people don't know this. Social Security maxes out at, I believe it's one hundred and sixteen five this year. So anything that you pay over and above one hundred and sixteen uh, one hundred sixteen thousand five hundred dollars, you don't pay um, Social Security on anymore. So. Um, but with a with a C corporation, you're usually talking about paying too much in compensation. Mm, I can see how that would apply now. Definitely, that's a good point. Um, what about um, you know? Is there any other quirky things that uh, people have to worry about with regards to an S corporation? Yes, there are plenty of them. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for instance, um, you can't if you're a, a sh- more than a two percent shareholder, you can't have any fringe benefits in a C- in an S corporation. So, uh, what that means is you can't write off your health insurance, you can't write off your um, 
you know, any fringe benefits um, that that you would have, like you could have in a in a C corporation. Also, with uh, with an S corporation, um, you have to be very careful about how much you're taking of the profit. So. Um, and when you're dis- distributing them to your to yourself, so for instance, typically in an S corporation, if you're going to distribute the profits to yourself, you want to make sure that you have a schedule for doing that. So you do that either once a month, once a quarter, um, however you do that. And remember, you have to operate like any other co- like any other corporation would operate. So if you stop and think about this for a minute, if you own shares of stock in AT and T. AT&T isn't going to distribute a dividend to you once a week. That's not going to mm-hmm. happen. So you've got to run just like any other corporation. The most they'll ever um, distribute dividends to you is once a month, and usually it's once a quarter. So you've got to do the exact same thing that a regular corporation would do. So those are kind of the quirky things with an S corporation. There's a lot more to it, but um, it's more targeted to you know different things. I don't really want to – fill up time with with that if that's all right yeah speaking of time i know we usually save our final segment for questions but we've been getting a lot of them in so if you don't mind i wanted to get started with some of these um got one here from sean in hanover who asks if uh an s corporation or a c corporation is right for a doctor oh that's a very good question yeah so um in a c corporate so doctors going back to what i said before doctors make a considerable amount of money um for the most part so um, if you went back to what I said before about S corporations and it flowing over to you at the highest uh, personal tax bracket, well, the problem with C corporations is um, in a C corporation, if you're a licensed professional or a personal service, um, then you're considered a personal service corporation. And no matter what it is you make, you pay a flat 35% on what you make. So usually with a doctor, an S corporation is the way to go. But eventually the more money you start making, you can also split out and do a dual corporate strategy with both an S corporation and a C corporation. But that really depends on your own, um, you know, particular situation. So I don't want to give you that advice, but um, initially, an S corporation is probably the best way to go for uh, for a doctor. Okay, uh, I got a question here from Jake in Cleveland who says that he owns a uh, S corporation and his accountant told him not to worry about reasonable compensation in his first year, and he wants to know if that's correct. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, you have to worry about it in your first year. Yeah. So I guess his theory would be that you're not going to make any money. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not always the case, though. No, it's really not always the case. So, yeah, um, the second that you take money out of that corporation, you need to be worried about reasonable compensation. The moment you touch $1 and it goes towards anything for you personally or you're taking out a distribution or you're even repaying a loan that you uh, made to the company to start the company, you've got to be worried about reasonable compensation, whether that happens in your first year or second, whenever that happens – You've got to worry about reasonable compensation for sure. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I got a question here from Monica in Greenville who wants to know about limited partnerships. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit about uh, limited partnerships? Yeah, so to elaborate on limited partnerships um, and I'll also throw in limited liability partnerships, although you didn't ask about them. But um, So in a limited partnership, you basically have – a general partner and you have limited partners. So the general partner is the person that's responsible for everything. And typically people will set up 
um, limited partnerships and limited liability partnerships having a corporation as the general partner, and this corporation is just a shell. So let me explain what that means. So if anybody were to ever sue the limited partnership, they would go after the general partner, and that's why people set the general partner up as um, a shell corporation that has absolutely no assets. So if a judgment is ever entered, there's nothing anybody can ever get, and then you have uh, various limited partners. But the problem is, oh, and then limited liability partnerships would be more for law firms, accounting firms, we're a limited liability partnership, and that's um, set up so you can bring in partners easily. Um, the problem, uh, the problem is that, uh, you know, with uh, limited partnerships and limited liability partnerships, they're not really, um, they're not really designed for you to run a business out of. So they're usually used to hold assets or they're usually used for, um, they could be used for, you know, if you are, you know, buying and trading stocks or, you know, I know it's very common for people to form, you know, uh, stock trading clubs or, um, you know, oil, oil wells, you know, if you're going to invest in oil wells, they're usually set up as limited partnerships, but they're not really like a day to day. Like if you're going to set up a retail business or something like that, they're not really for, um, day to day operations. So, um, that's, I, I don't know if that's what Monica was looking for, but, um, that's basically the elaboration on limited partnerships and, um, limited liability partnerships. I think that was good. That's a start. Uh, hopefully we answered what Monica wanted to hear. Yeah. And it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard when, you, when people are asking questions because you may not realize it when you're asking it, but sometimes it can be an ambiguous question. So I hope that I answered or I got to what you wanted to know about limited partnerships. Monica, and if I didn't, please write back and let me know. Yeah, definitely. Let us know if there's ever anything we discuss on the show that you want us to elaborate on. Feel free to send us an email to info at uh, taxavoidanceislegal.com and we will be sure to respond to your questions, concerns, elaborate because it's, uh, it's really hard to cram everything into a one hour show with uh, the amount of, you know, emails and questions that we have and the, the amount of stuff we want to cover. Yeah, exactly. Because I try to make it as simple as possible because this is taxes are very complicated and, um, I want to make them as easy easy and as simple to understand as possible. And um, so, yeah, so to cram all that in. So like I said, if I didn't answer your question, write back and let me know. Well, Craig, I think we should take a break so that we can get to the rest of these questions. And if anyone's out there listening and you still have a question that you haven't sent in, uh, feel free to give us a call at one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight, or email us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And on the other side of the uh, break, we will answer the rest of these emails that have come in. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWS EAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA. 
or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing and we want you to be a part of it. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation Revised Edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. Now, let's get back to Craig and Dulcis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for uh, joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today, we've been talking about starting a small business and the tax ramifications, and uh, hopefully you've been listening in. If not, please feel free to check out uh, the uh, website and make sure that you... Uh, Pull up this show because it's full of a lot of really good information. Um, but basically, what uh, we have uh, is we've got a lot of questions um, that have come in about uh, starting a small business, and uh, you know, a lot of different uh, questions that hopefully we will get to answer. If we don't answer them, please feel free to send us an email info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. If we haven't gotten to your question, we will definitely email you back. And uh, let's tackle some of these emails. Uh, what do you say, Craig? Absolutely. Let's go. It's my favorite part of the uh, the show. All right. Well, Lisa in Key West asks if uh, she can write off a cruise that she took and had her corporate meeting on board the ship. Hmm. Well, Lisa, first of all, you're in Key West, and I have no idea what you're doing inside listening to uh, Talk Zone, but you should <laughs> probably be out on the beach with your toes in the sand and drinking a margarita. That's what I'd be doing. That's what I do every time I go to Key West. But um, anyway, uh, you know, this is something that's very popular. I saw this on the Internet one time. Um, let me tell you how this all works. So if you take a vacation and you take it for any business reason, doesn't have to be for a corporate meeting or any of that. Um, there's a, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's misinformation out there that you can write off the, mm-hmm. the full cost of your cruise ship. And that's just not true. You can, you know, if you took family with you or somebody else with you, you can only write off the portion that had to do with business. So, um, for instance, if your corporate meeting was lasted one day, then one uh, day of a seven day cruise would be deductible or whatever it is. So, you know, even if you go to, you know, people come to Orlando all the time. Time for you know tax conventions and lawyer convention, whatever it is, um, you can only write off your expenses um, that associate with that actual thing. So no, that's that's sort of a fallacy, and I don't like giving. I never get that advice, but I did happen to see it one day, and it was interesting. Yeah, sorry, Lisa. I know that's not what you want to hear, but no, I'm always the bearer of bad news. <laughs> we love, yeah, Craig loves to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> No, I don't not, love it. I really don't. I we want to really keep don't. people safe and give them the the right advice, and sometimes that means uh, stuff they don't want to hear, unfortunately. Absolutely. All right. We got a question from Tommy in Dallas who says that he owns a consulting company, um, and it is a sole proprietorship. Uh, he doesn't see much use in incorporating because he only has one client, and the potential for a lawsuit is slim. Uh, do you think that there's any other reason he should incorporate? Yes, absolutely. So let me explain this to you. I'm a licensed professional. So um, if I form a corporation and I do something, I uh, 
there's some mistake I made or some malpractice that I do. You're not suing my corporation. You're suing me. So corporations don't protect me from anything because everybody goes directly after me. So um, the reason why I'm incorporated is for tax reasons. That's the main reason. So if you're a sole proprietorship, you're paying that self-employment tax. So mm-hmm. the main reason to incorporate for you would be for tax reasons only. Absolutely. And that can definitely take quite a chunk out of you when you're paying that self-employment tax. Exactly. Um, Colleen in Sacramento says that uh, she has a California-based uh, company, but uh, she's incorporated in Nevada. Uh, does she have to pay the 800 a year franchise tax imposed on California businesses? Yes, you do. Yeah, because you have a nexus in California, you have a nexus in Nevada. So, yes, you absolutely do. And I know that this is not an easy thing to maybe describe, but if you could just briefly explain what a nexus is for those who are maybe haven't heard some of it. Ah, uh, yes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I use jargon a lot. You're I, using that jargon. I'm here to check you every time. Yeah, you do so <laughs> we did a show not too long ago on state taxes and things like that, and we talked about nexuses. So basically, a nexus is you have a like you said in your in your question. You have a California-based business, so you have an address in California. So just because you're incorporated in Nevada doesn't preclude you from the laws of the state of California because you're actually running your business in California. So uh, you have, we've created what is known as a nexus. So you have a nexus in the state that you incorporated, which is Nevada, and then you also have a nexus in the state of California where's, where uh, you're actually running the business. So that was a very good um, – that's the best way I can explain nexus. Okay, perfect. Uh, Jake in Provo says that uh, he owned an S-Corporation for three years now, and he has never paid himself a salary. Uh, why should he now? Because eventually you'll get caught. I mean, you know, if I had a, you know, I tell you this every year, if I had a nickel for every time I saw a return that I thought would be audited, I'd have a lot of nickels. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Eventually your time will come and they'll they'll catch you on it but yeah i mean the irs is very slow they're very slow to do things but when they act they act so yeah you should really keep yourself safe and don't continue not paying yourself absolutely jackson in orlando wants to know is there any reason to form a corporation if he is paid on a 1099 yeah taxes yeah because again you'd be a sole proprietorship and you would have um the self-employment tax and also um Jackson, uh, I know that you're in Orlando. We're also, we also have an office in Orlando. There's a very interesting show and I don't know if it's next week or the following week, but we're talking about, um, companies that are wrongly paying their employees on a 1099 when they're actually employees. So maybe you should tune into that show, but I don't remember if that's next week or the following week. But, um, if you truly are an independent contractor, then yes, you should form a, a corporation to, to get out of the self-employment tax for tax reasons. Yeah, a lot of folks don't realize that, and they end up with all these 1099s come tax time, and then, wow, they are not very happy when they are, do their taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Paul in uh, Studio City says that he works for a company that is paying him with a 1099. Should he incorporate? Ditto, Paul. Ditto. That's exactly what I said to Jackson. Exactly what I said. And tune in. It's either next week or the following week, and we'll talk about 1099s. Absolutely. We see them a lot. Um, Victor in New Orleans wants to know, uh, when should he incorporate? Is there some event that would absolutely trigger incorporating? And I know what the answer that you're going to give him for this, but I'm I'm excited to hear it again. Well, 
Okay, well, this is sort of a two-pronged, um, for tax reasons, it's, um, anytime you're gonna make anywhere, um, from $10,000 or above, and that's net, so that's gross, less all of your expenses, so anytime you're gonna net about $10,000, it makes sense to incorporate, um, that's for tax reasons. For, um, legal reasons, if you're in, uh, depends on what kind of business you're in, um, you should probably, um, incorporate from the beginning, you know, if you're in a litigious or, you know, in, in a business where, where people would, would sue you, then yeah, you should incorporate right away. But, um, typically for taxes, it's, um, it, it's, uh, $10,000. Yeah, I always hear you say that, so I was quite familiar with that answer, but I know a lot of folks don't realize that. We have time for, I think maybe we can squeeze in a couple more questions. Guy in Culver City says that uh, he is self-employed, and for the last three years, uh, he has one of the big companies doing his tax return. Uh, he has owed several thousands of dollars in those years. Why didn't anyone at the uh, tax company give him the advice to incorporate? <laughs> well, Guy, uh, I wish you would have listened to our show a couple weeks ago when I got on, uh, when I started ranting about stuff. So, um, the bigger, uh, tax companies and, and those are, you know, the, the ones that advertise on TV. Unfortunately, how they get their help is, or how they get the, their tax preparers is that they give like a six or eight week class. And, um, after that six, eight week class, they figure you know how to fill out a tax return and they hire you. So, um, unfortunately, um, tax preparers aren't regulated. There is no regulation for them, which is kind of funny because we regulate everything else, but there is no regulation. So they just didn't know to give you that advice. They just know how to fill out a form. So, um, I have, so that's my best answer I can give to you, but you might want to go to somebody that's licensed so they can look over, um, what's been done and then, and then give you advice. Absolutely, guy. And we, we see those, unfortunately, we see those cases like yours. All the time and do a lot of fixing up on people's tax returns. Just because it's a well-known company doesn't mean that the person that's doing your return is licensed. So I would definitely ask, ask them, uh, are you licensed? And if so, what kind of license do you have? Are you a CPA? Are you an enrolled agent? You know, what kind of uh, credentials do you have? There's nothing wrong with asking. No, never. Uh, Jason in Fort Lauderdale says that he just formed an uh, LLC and, uh, uh, how does he know how it is taxed? That's if a good question. Yeah, if you don't know the way that it's taxed, um, to be taxed anything other than the default, uh, which is a, 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 a it, I would presume that you're one person, it would be a single member LLC, you would be a disregarded entity, which would mean you would pay taxes as a sole proprietorship. So that means you haven't made an election otherwise to be taxed as a C corporation or an S corporation. So if you want to be taxed as something differently, you have to make an election. You have to tell the IRS that you want to be taxed in a different way. Yeah, a lot of folks don't realize they think they form a corporation and that's it. That doesn't mean uh, that you've made yeah, an election. And- Exactly, and LegalZoom is out there, and LegalZoom will form the corporation. They will not make tax elections for you. Most lawyers won't make tax elections for you either, so um, it's something that you've got to talk to the accountant about. Yeah, absolutely. Don't just form the corporation and think you're done. You do have to make a decision as to how you want to be taxed. Um, Rachel in Philadelphia, uh, let's see here, says that she is on the fence about incorporating, but she thinks uh, this show has made her want to form an LLC. Should she get insurance if she incorporates? Absolutely. Yeah, of course you should. Yeah. Okay. Philip, uh, let's see, Philip in Des Moines says that he thinks he's paying himself too much in compensation. How can he tell? Talk to a professional. 
There's no way that you can specifically tell. There's no magic number I can throw out at you. Talk to a professional. Yeah, there's a lot of different things in, you know, that need to be taken into consideration when determining what your income should be. And I know that's one of the things we do is Craig will always uh, analyze everything uh, at least once a quarter. And sometimes the adjustments need to be make, uh, made and things like that. So it is something that you're best to go into a professional. Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. So for our clients, I'm, I'm continually adjusting their compensation. So it's something that you really, really need to talk to a professional about. If you want the best uh, results with regards to tax savings, you definitely want to do that. Um, Yolanda in Phoenix says that she is fresh out of law school and is looking to buy a practice in Scottsdale. Uh, how does she know what to buy it for and uh, should she form an S corporation? Yolanda, find a professional. Give us a call. I do this all the time. I, you know, I get, um, I do, uh, you know, due diligence for people that are going to buy businesses and I tell them what it's worth and things like that. And, um, it's not, you know, usually in that practice, it's worth what some percentage of gross income and stuff like that. But talk to a professional or you can give us a call. 1-844-CWSEAPA. I do these all the time. I used, I used to do a ton of them, um, many years ago. So I'm very familiar with these. And our final question of the day, Gregory in Orlando wants to know what you think of Dog Martin's performance so far. Dog? It's Doug Martin, Bells. Come on. I said, I said Doug. You said Dog, but that's all right. I said Um, Doug. Okay. Well, you're going to hear it back and you're going to hear Dog. So, (laughs) um, anyway, this is the one time that I can prove that I'm right. So make sure, make sure you listen to this. So I will listen to this show. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Doug Martin. So Doug Martin and I have, I've, been really upset at Doug Martin. So Doug Martin had a really good rookie year. He was amazing. And we got rid of a really good running back by the name of LeGarrette Blount, right? And I love LeGarrette Blount. We got rid of him because Doug Martin was this, he was going to be the complete running back and all of that. So um, Doug Martin uh, did well in his rookie year. And the next two years, he was horrible. Mm. So um, then he got into uh, a contract year. So his contract was up and he you know, went, he rushed for 2,500 yards and now this is the season after his contract year and we signed him for big money. I've only seen him play in one game and then he got injured in the second game. I don't know how long he's injured for, but you know, so far, so far, yeah, but I'm still going to rag on him until we get about halfway through the season and he's actually done something. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, I think this is going to conclude today's show. If we didn't get to your emailed question on the air, we will definitely email you back. Remember to visit our website at taxavoidanceislegal.com. Email your questions throughout the week to us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And remember that this is sponsored by Tax Crisis Center and CWSCAPA. And we can be reached um, on phone at CWSCAPA, 1-844-CWSCAPA. Or visit us on the web at CWSCAPA.com. Have a wonderful day.